Hello, hello. Hello. How are you, dear? I am wonderful this evening. This heat. <laughs> Everyone, it is 10.20 in the morning, and yep. I just said this evening. That shows you where I'm at. So yep. maybe you're enjoying this in the evening. Maybe you're enjoying this at 10.30 in the morning, like I am. This is called being overworked and sleep deprived. <laughs> all of that's too real right now. <laughs> so this is going to be fun, delusional episode. Hey. Welcome. Boom. Welcome to the show. Welcome. This is another fucking horror podcast. I'm Monique Sanchez. I'm Amy Trayton. And we managed to introduce the podcast within like the first two minutes, which is... I think the first since like the first like three episodes. I was going to say, yeah. I was like, it's been more than several weeks. It's been months, <laughs> I'm months pretty sure. sure. Yes. Of us forgetting <laughs> to introduce the podcast completely. Absolutely. Yeah. We're just, nailing it. Yeah, we're nailing it. <laughs> it felt right. It did. It always feels right, Monique. Feels like the first time. <laughs> feels like the very first time. Um. Uh, for the record, can't sing you any other lyrics of that song. That's all I know. Uh, I think I know, I think right right before one of the choruses, it goes, it, it, it's something to the effect of, I think it's just the woman in you that brings out the man in me. It's like, yeah. Oh, but I that's like that. It. It's a great one. I like that. Great tune. I'm terrible at lyrics. Anyone who knows me knows I am the worst. Um, I've had to become really proficient really quickly because for my job, singing oh. along slash lip syncing is very much a thing. Wait. Yes. For real? For Totally for real. Totally like as, for real. Wait. So like as part of the job, you're expected to like... Perform. Yeah, totally. What? Yeah, so I'm working at the spot where I am the bartender, the barback, the busboy, the DJ, the hype man, and like the go-go dancer, essentially. Fuck yeah. Uh, it's rad as fuck. I love working there. But everything is on tap, so it's not like, oh, well, Monique makes like a really good martini. It's like every bartender is giving the same quality drink that works there, but you go specifically for the bartender and for the entertainment, the entertainment they can I, provide. I love that. And what their playlist is. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's like, it's, it's within a realm of like, you know, like nineties Mariah, Celine. Uh, fuck yes. Yeah. So I've had to become really, really good at memorizing lyrics <laughs> very quickly (laughs) i'm the person who just like lip syncs whatever like sounds pretty close to it so it looks like my mouth is saying all the right words but my brain is just like a hodgepodge of vocabulary that makes no sense well see i guess that's because most of the other bartenders are all performers on the broadway etc so you know there was a bartender who was a dancer so she would do these whole choreographed things I'm like, I can't do that. I, I'm what's known in the You're industry. Not going to coyote ugly this at the, on the top of the bar? One, I'm too tall for that. I would absolutely <laughs> hit everything with my head. Oh my God, I never thought about that. I just, I'm always like, I would fall off immediately, like 10 seconds in. No, even now, like if I put my hands up and I can like smack the like <gasps> the lighting fixture. Oh my God. I'm, enormous no you're not <laughs> she's statuesque and model-esque and beautiful thank Stop you it. i adore you thank you thank um, i'm the hobbit over here shut the fuck up <laughs> you're adorable i love you so much and you're i'm travel size for your convenience so everyone has different strengths and whatnot but you kind of have to lead the charge to get like the singing going oh yeah kind of have to you thought you just have to like pick the song that nobody can resist exactly yeah 
I was working over the weekend and it was like dead fucking central. It was so dead. And three people came in and one of them, it was like four other people were in the bar and it's a small spot too. And three people came in and one of them was, and one of them was like, Oh, it's this person's first time coming here. And it's usually not like this. It's usually like, like a party. It's usually filled with people singing along, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I need to turn this motherfucker around right now. Please tell me you played like a virgin. No. Oh, okay. I mean, not at that point. Okay. But of course I did. That's okay. I I eventually did. I should have, because it was their first time. No. That would have been good. But what I did instead is I went to the the newbie, the virgin, and I was like, since it's your first time, I'm giving you the distinct honor of picking the next song. (gasps) Rules. It has to be a song everyone knows that they could sing along to. And or a party song. Oh, okay. I like so those then rules. He he picked Nelly's "Ride with Me." Oh fuck yeah! And I had no idea what that like oh. being told that I was like I don't know I don't what know, that is. As soon as it played though, you were like yeah yeah exactly yeah. And that just turned the whole shit around. And then I gassed him up, being like, "It was because of you. It's because of you that this night turned out the way it turned out." He's like, "Yeah, it was because of me." I was you know, and I then love that. Yeah, and then That's basically really people. When it when it turns into like a party, then people on the street like hear it and see what's happening, and they come in and yeah, that's fun. Yeah, I like it's that. Fun. Yeah. Um. So memorizing song lyrics has, has become a <laughs> <laughs> part of my job description. Sometimes I just enjoy having the wrong lyrics. It makes it funnier in my head. Yeah. Yeah. And whenever I don't know the song, I just turn around and pour a drink. <laughs> there the you go. Song. There you go. I also uh was raised in a family where my dad thought it was very entertaining to make up fake song mm. lyrics for things. So a lot of songs that I know the real lyrics for, I don't even sing the real lyrics to because I sing my dad's like fake version of it, which is usually super inappropriate. Can we get so, an example? Um, Lincoln, Lincoln Park's Breaking the Habit was um, raping a rabbit, which Holy I say, yes, see, this is my family. <laughs> this is what I grew up with. Like, this was funny. We all laughed. It was a great time. Wow. Yeah. Dark sense of humor. Not the same family at all. Nope. No. Not a bit. So when you're like, this girl's weird, you're like, I know why though. This is why. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's a that's a pretty solid example. It's catchy. Give it a, give it a shot next time you hear hear that song. Raping a rabbit. Raping a rabbit. There you go. You know. <laughs> I don't know if I'll partake, but I do appreciate the alliteration. So. See, the thing that's interesting to me is that there is clearly, like, an origin story as to why you're this way. <laughs> Whereas with me, you know, when I re-listened to last week's episode, I was like, yeah, didn't you uh, go with your family to the cemetery and, like, trace it? I'm like, no. No. At no point. <laughs> Even if I wanted to, would I have been allowed to do that? You're, like, weird in spite of your Absolutely. normal family. Yes. There Which are, I love, yeah. Yeah. I, believe you're, me, I, I hear about it all the time. You're the black sheep, and that's fucking awesome. For sure. I am not. <laughs> I, everyone's a black sheep in my family, apparently. We're all just, like, a herd of black sheep, so it's <laughs> there you not go. even special. I love it. Yeah. I made you. We're all so grateful. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, right? I, I would. <laughs> Our listeners who tune in every week to hear our bullshit one. My ridiculous, uh, <laughs> morbid sense of humor. Uh, Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. So did you do anything fun this week besides work? I went to visit my friend in Connecticut. Hey, how was Connecticut? How was the old CT? Picturesque suburbia. I was going to say, it was, I'm sure it was lovely. I'm sure it was beautiful. It was very beautiful. And I got to go swimming in a pool. So that was pretty fucking rad. Fuck yeah. I was like, I dog sat in Long Island, so I also got to go swimming in a pool. And let me tell you, it's fucking great. It's yeah. really nice. Especially like 
in New York, there's not a lot of pools. Mm, yeah. So, um, it's and you have been a heated a one too, right? Yeah. Ah, fuck. So yeah. good. It was really nice. Not going to lie. Amazing. And a trampoline. Like, it's very cool. And a trampoline. Yeah, and a trampoline. <laughs> Which, honestly, like, was my dream as a child. Like, honestly, nothing would have made me happier than if you had given me a trampoline as a child. I never got one, but, like, I probably also would have died on the trampoline, to be fair, but worth it. Totally worth it. When I was a kid in kindergarten, I went to the same kindergarten as, like, one of the Beaches kids. Oh, shit. And over the summer, they would, like, do almost like a summer camp at their fucking house. Amazing. Fuck yeah. I bet that pool was amazing. That pool was fucking insane. Yeah, I'm sure. It, like, had a rock formation thing that had, like, waterfalls and, like, a slide off of it. like a fucking grotto or some shit. Essentially. And it had, like, a slide off of it that, like, cut off. Like oh my mid, god! Like you were on the slide for like a second, and then you were like in the air. I love that. I was way too much of a wimp at the time because I was like three years old to okay. go on that shit. And the rocks had like different like platform. Like the rock kind of made like platforms, so you could like climb up them and like jump off at like different yes. heights. I fucking love that. It was amazing. Oh, and they had a huge trampoline, and their house was on the water. This is in Miami. They had a huge trampoline by the water, <gasps> and I was always like. I feel like this is an accident waiting to happen. Like close enough to jump in the water from the trampoline? Like that close? Probably not, but I was raised with the fear of God in me by a very paranoid mother (laughs) that everything was going to kill me all of the time. Yeah. So I just saw it and I was like, this is too close for comfort. I'm not even going to fuck with this. Damn. Yeah. I'm sure it was safe. I was like, that seems so much fun. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Trampolines. They're great. They're one of those things, though, that I think I'm, like, like, if you ever go to the places where you can, like, buy time, and it's, like, the big, like, trampoline yeah. world, and they're everywhere, I'm always, like, oh, yeah, I gotta get, like, two hours. I'm gonna, like, trampoline all day. Ten minutes in, I'm, like, oh, my God, I'm dying. Like, I need to sit down. I need a nap. Yep. Like, this is a lot. That's me with a bounce house. When's the last time we went to a bounce house? Oh, my God. Um. Oh, wait, the boot bounce house. We talked the about boot this bounce on the, house. the P&E podcast, yeah. Yep, the boot bounce house. Which, if you haven't listened to it yet, go listen to it. Yeah. Lex, Julia, we're obsessed with you. We're obsessed. You're amazing. Fuck yeah. Yeah, the boob bounce house. Uh, also, my nephew would have them for his birthday. Okay. A few years in a row. So I'd be like, yeah, let's go in this fucking bounce house. And because, uh, well, with the boob bounce house, we had, I think it was like a three minute oh, max. Like time limit. Like yeah. time limit. And I, I went with a fella that I didn't realize I was on a date with until like <laughs> mid-date basically mid-date i was like oh fuck this is a date um so we're at this boob bounce house and it's like three minutes and you're like oh my god that's so short literally like 15 seconds in it's like i'm good <sighs> yeah i mean I'm winded yeah like in my 30s this is a, i can't be doing this a problem so we just like laid amongst the different the sized boobs Aww, that's really sweet <laughs> That's the dream, isn't it? Just right? to play amongst the boobs. Yeah. Boobs are fucking great, man. Boobs are great. You know what I would not be upset about? If they just, like, put up a random bounce house in, like, New York somewhere. And you just, like, That'd be fucking amazing. And, like, you could just, like, bounce for a couple minutes. I would totally be on board with that. For sure. I would 100% just, like, drop all my shit immediately and fucking yeah. take off my shoes and go in. Yeah. Fuck yeah. And even in my nephew's parties, we would, um, like, whenever we went to bed, like, the adults. The adults <gasps> meaning, like, the 20... 20 to 30 year olds yes would like go in with like a bottle of prosecco and just like fuck yeah it bounce a little bit and then just like lie down and 
drink. Yeah, chill on <laughs> what is basically a giant air mattress. Exactly. Um, yeah. Exactly. Fuck yeah. Spill family secrets, you know. Uh, yes, please. <laughs> Love me some family secrets. Yeah. Ooh. Fuck yeah. Mm. Mm. Family goss is the best goss. Oh, for sure. I was like, mine's too good. I can't share any of it, but it's so good. I love it all. I don't know if mine's good. I think it's ridiculous. It's oh. Like, ugh. I think that goes without saying. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyone knows anything about my family situation, they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm, I'm like, like, this is ridiculous. No. Believe me. <laughs> I know. I'm aware. Thank you. <laughs> well, fun. Yeah. Yeah. I watched like 400 million hours of Oxygen because I was uh, somewhere that had cable TV. That's right. You've been introduced to Snapped. Oh my God. So much Snapped. Game changer. So oh good. Oh my God. It's so good. It's so good. I'm pretty sure the, the woman who does the voiceover is the woman who played Kit in <gasps> Pretty Woman, the what? best friend. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's the same actress. I'm pretty huh. sure. Interesting. If I fuck that up, we'll cut that. But <laughs> I don't think so. I'm pretty sure I gave it a goog. Okay. Interesting. And I'm like, get it, girl. I didn't realize that. Yeah, good for you. Fuck. Get that voiceover oxygen money. Hell yeah. Fuck yeah. It's like, she does great work. She yeah. a good voiceover. It's a great voiceover. Yeah. I fucking love to snapped. Was there, were there any, any episodes that you were like, what the fuck? I mean, they're all kind of what the fuck, <laughs> to be fair. Um, I also got, like, introduced to a couple new shows that I hadn't seen before. I also, I guess they have, like, Snapped Notorious, oh, which is, like, yes. where they cover, like, really Famous big, cases. Yeah. yeah. Um, and those were especially crazy, because the ones I watched, um, the one was the Cleveland Strangler. Yeah. Whew. Which, that was, that was really rough. Yeah. But uh, also absolutely fascinating. Um, I can't remember what the other one is now, honestly. Fuck, it was something big, too. The Boston Strangler. <laughs> no, it wasn't two stranglers. It wasn't two stranglers. <laughs> two I, cities and two stranglers. No, no, no. Um, no. I'm not laughing at the Boston Strangler. No, God, like no. no. Such no, no. a piece of shit. But I love Snapped. I haven't seen Snapped in such a long time. Yeah. It's best in marathon form, in my opinion. Of course. Yeah. You can't just do a one. That's, you know, what's the thing of the Pringles or the Lays? You just, no, you can, just can't have yeah, one. No. 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 I need a marathon. I need 14 hours straight at Absolutely. Least. Thank you. That's how I'd spend my Sundays. Yeah. I'd go to church and then I'd watch Snapped for like 12 hours and do like bullshit around the house. Oh my God. The, the, <laughs> the point I had realized it went too far was when I realized they were actually replaying episodes that I had already just watched mm-hmm. like the day before. And then I was like, oh, I saw this already. I was like, I should probably switch to another yep. station. So then I was like, hey, what's on ID? Same thing happened with me and Maury. When oh, I started yeah. catching the reruns, I'm like, I need to stop. Yeah. I need to stop. I also caught the first episode of The Widower, which is like they're new. They have like a three oh, thing. Coming how was out. that? Yeah. It was good. It was interesting. Hmm. Cool. I was like, but I'm obviously missing the other two parts of it because I don't have cable. So. You can find that. We'll yeah. find that part. There you go. It's two parts of The Widower. I also watched accident suicide or murder which was really oh shit which was kind of a little different for them because obviously some of them actually are like accidents and suicide so it's not all just murder yeah the i think the craziest one i saw was they had found this man like in the middle of the road and like could not figure out how he got there and he was like very far from where he like was called home and they couldn't figure out how he got there so quickly and like 
the time of death just didn't match up. And it turned out he had like crawled into the um, landing gear of an airplane. Oh, shit. And had fallen out. Oh, and, shit. And like literally fell out of the sky into the middle of the road. And that's how he fucking got there. Holy And it was so shit. crazy. I, it was one of those things like, it was so fascinating that I was like, oh, I'm going to cover this. And I was like, oh, except it's an accident. So there's literally no crime involved. So it can't what be What if he like smuggled his way onto the... I guess, yeah, that was technically a crime. There you go. See? She's always got crime on the brain. I do. You do. (laughs) Well, I did not do that for my story, but I did find that very interesting. Wouldn't that be funny if it was like, by the way, that's my story. By the way, I just totally spoiled the ending. My bad. Spoiler. (laughs) Whoops. (laughs) And now you guys don't have to listen to the rest of the episode. You can just like stop after my story. Exactly. No, I'm just kidding. I have a completely different oxygen-themed story. Oh, shit! I was hoping it was going to be oxygen-themed. Oh, my God, of course. I watched so much of it. I couldn't not you tell could you my not. favorite one. Yes. Oh, that's very oh, exciting. Yeah. So I guess bef- before we get to your oxygen-themed yeah. story, you should do probably... You, do you want to regale me with some... Uh, I don't even know what to call it anymore because you, you'll you do whatever. You'll surprise me in the best way possible. Oh, my goodness. Um, but I'm sure I'm going to get lots of chills regardless because I always get them. Maybe. We're going to find out. Ooh. Uh, I'm going to talk about the old house woods. In the Virginia. Fuck? Oh, oh, it's in, in Virginia. Shit's already going to be ter- like scary as fuck. Exactly. No offense, Virginia, but like anytime anyone says Virginia, like the music from Deliverance just starts playing. Oh in my shit! Head, so, so you don't automatically go to Virginia's for lovers. No, is it for lovers? No, <laughs> that's the that's their slogan. Oh, Virginia's always, for lovers. That's true. I always think <laughs> I always think of um the song Connecticut is for fucking instead. Wait. What? Oh my god, that is, used to be my fucking jam. I'm not even gonna lie. If no one's heard that song, go back and listen to it. <laughs> I've never. Heard I'm this. going to send it to you after this. It was ah, uh, oh, it's so catchy. That's wonderful. I feel like it's one of those songs where the it's a little. <laughs> I like the only word that comes to mind is like cartoony because she has kind of like a um like a cartoonish sort of. It's a very silly song, obviously. Like, the whole point of it is, like, Connecticut's for fucking, that's all there is to do, because, like, Connecticut is so fucking boring. Paris, Venice, you ain't got shit on Connecticut. That is the city of love and romance. Of love and romance. Um, Virginia's for lovers and Connecticut's for for fucking. fucking. Who knew? There you go. That's beautiful. It's really touching. (laughs) I want that on a shirt. Um, Sources. QVirginia.com, ColonialGhosts.com. OurCommunityNow.com, VirginiaWaterTrails.org, TheMorbidLibrary.com, and SeeksGhosts.blogspot.com. Virginia ranks at the top of the National Register of Haunted Locations, with nearly 170 spooky sites that have had paranormal happenings. Damn. Right? And according to many, Old House Woods is the most haunted place in all of Virginia. Oh, shit. Well, I know where I'm not building a summer home. Yeah. A lot of this is my worst nightmare. Just, <laughs> I'm going to preface it that I was way. Like, I, when you said woods, I was like, oh my God, the fact yes. that Monique did this story. No. Exactly. In Matthews County, Virginia, off the coast of Gloucester, is the small, unassuming town of Diggs. It's a cozy little place surrounded by the Chesapeake Bay, offering coastal views and respite. It seems normal, even boring. But if you travel down the Beach Haven Road just outside of town, you come across a 50-acre patch of dense woodland known as the Old House Woods. Old House Woods got its name from a wooden farmhouse in the late 1700s called the Franny Night House. 
Even then, the abandoned home nestled in the middle of the woods was known to be haunted and filled with angry spirits. Local stories say that the house, quote, set itself on fire. What? End quote. Only to put itself out again on its own. I mean, that's that's helpful. That's nice. You know. Yeah. Not the setting it, but the putting itself out. It's like, fuck you, fire department. Yeah. I don't need you. I've got this. Thanks. Eventually, the house caught fire again and burned all the way down to the ground. And the only thing that remains is the foundation of the old house. It's supposedly always 10 degrees cooler in the woods than outside of the woods. Many have reported seeing a concentrated green light hovering above the woods, and some have claimed the light has chased them out of the woods. Mm. Many accounts describe a strong feeling of an ease and even anger both in and around the woods. Some have reported that they were attacked by ghostly apparitions. Travelers through the woods and curious hikers have reported hearing whispers, voices, laughs and the sounds of footsteps that have no apparent source no thank you no absolutely not fucking th- can nope. you imagine being in the woods no and you just hear whispers Mm-mm. like Mm-mm. or laughing the laughter oh would really my get god me. like i can't no 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 no, no, no. 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 <laughs> figures have been seen from the corners of eyes as well as shadows that dart between the tree trunks all of this is a fucking shant for me Okay, thanks. Why is anyone still going to this woods? Like, get the fuck out. Seriously. Because are there not nicer places like, in Virginia? Right? Yeah. I think because it's fucking haunted. They're like, yeah, let's go see this shit. No, you thank do, you. You yeah. I'm not about that life. I'm not on that tour, thanks. And the thing is, it's very rare that I come across a place that has this many stories of, like, creepy what-the-fuck shit attached yeah. to it. Yeah. So we're going to get into them. <gasps> Tell me. The area's storied history dates all the way back to the 1700s, around the time of the Revolutionary War. The forest served many a pirate or soldier looking for refuge amongst its dense foliage over the course of a century, even into the Civil War era. The dense woods along the ocean are so thick that the sky can't be seen through its tree limbs. Damn. So because of this, it was the perfect port for men to hide and lay low from the law. Thieves and pirates were so notorious in the area that travelers were warned to stay away from the woods. Damn. Like... Don't fuck with... One, also just don't fuck with the woods. Yeah, seriously. I understand, like, nature, great, whatever. Don't go in the fucking woods. Yeah. Also, like, nature will fuck you up in the woods, so... 10,000 fucking percent. Regardless of whether you're gonna get shimmed by a fucking pirate, like, (laughs) you could get fucking mauled by a bear. Fuck that. Absolutely. No. The woods were used as a secret port by both revolutionary sailors and Civil War ones. Since we mentioned pirates, let's talk about... Buried treasure. Oh my god! Wait, is there buried treasure in this fucking woods? Monique. Alright, now we might have to go. How much treasure? We're gonna get into it. There are several stories of buried treasure in the area. Damn! A large amount of treasure was supposedly buried along the shore by pirates in the 1600s. Tragically, the buccaneers were then swept away in a huge storm, and the treasure was never found. However, unwilling to let go of their booty... Ghostly pirates have reportedly been spotted there, destined to an afterlife of digging for their lost treasure along the banks of White's Creek. The next, can you imagine that shit? I was like, that's my nightmare of an afterlife. I'm stuck digging the whole fucking time. Like, ugh. And you can't find your fucking treasure? Yeah, no. And if you find it, it's like, cool, I'm going to go to like a CVS and like, you you can't do anything with it. (laughs) It's like ghost treasure. It's literally like ghost coins. Like, fuck off. Yeah. This is a Sisyphean task I don't want at all. Exactly. 
The next story involving treasure involves a treasure ship belonging to King Charles II, sent from England to America in 1651, in the wake of the Battle of Worcester. If the monarch was forced to flee England, he wanted to make sure that he had the resources to restart his life comfortably in the colonies. Of course. Of course, obviously. Not living in poverty, please. (laughs) It's kind of not great. Yeah. (laughs) The story goes that as the ship was on its way to Jamestown, a storm forced it off course and it ended up in White Creek. There, the ship was attacked by bandits who killed the crew and managed to move the loot into the forest. From there, the bandits were either killed for their crimes or the ship sank at sea. Either way, it's believed that ghosts of the crew still tried to protect the buried loot, while ghost bandits try to dig it up. <laughs> Can you imagine There's, that like, shit? ghost rivalry yes. over this ghost treasure? I fucking love it. Oh, my God. Can you imagine it? If no. you're like, um, if you just come across that and you're like, Wait, I'm sorry, I just, do you know where North is? I'm so fucking lost. I'm sorry. Like, we're in the middle of something, actually. Thanks. Hi. This is like an eternal thing, and you're kind of fucking us up. Thanks. <laughs> like, oh, I'm sorry. Am I interrupting? Yeah. My bad. There are reports that say they can be seen carrying lanterns that glow green at night. Oh, shit. And then you said the green light. Exactly. Mm. Finally. Like, Gatsby would be fucking so thrilled right now. I'm so glad that I wasn't the other one who made the Gatsby I mean, connection. Oh, yes. Obviously. Yes, girl. Doesn't every girl want a guy to just throw lavish parties? Hoping that they'll show up and just like fawn for a green light. Right? Isn't that the goal? That's true love. That's what I've been told. Yes. <laughs> Finally, a group of British redcoats had been seen carrying lanterns and digging in parts of the forest. Some stories suggest that in the Battle of Yorktown in 1781, General Charles Cornwallis had soldiers hide a fortune of gold in the dense patch of woods. Unfortunately, they were said to have been captured and arrested, thus leaving the loop behind. Spectral redcoats have been spotted, and it is believed that the ghostly redcoats are searching for the general's fortune. So there's apparently, like, a fuck ton Damn, of treasure yeah. buried in these woods. Okay. And they all got lost. And these ghosts are like, I need to find it. Um, I might be, like, going ghost hunting to go treasure hunting. To be like, all right, there's the ghost. Let's dig over there. They're, we need to bring our... Yeah. We need to bring an EVP and then, like, a little metal detector. Yeah. There you go. Get some treasure. Along with accounts of pirates and treasure hunting apparitions, there have been sightings of ghostly ships. <gasps> I love a ghost ship. Okay. Girl, the most well-known sighting was made in the late 19th century by a fisherman named Ben Farabee, who was on a boat fishing in the White's Creek area. According to the report, a large wooden vessel suddenly appeared with, quote, lights at every mast and spar, end quote. Shadowy crew members were also visible standing on board, peering out to the distance. The ship was headed right towards the fisherman, but his calls were ignored. At the last moment when there should have been an impact, the ship simply floated over his head and (gasps) continued to hover up to the beach. As the ship passed, Faraby said he heard, quote, beautiful music playing, end quote. The fisherman continued to, yeah, right? That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. The fisherman continued to watch the ship in terror, and this is what he told a local newspaper reporter in 1926. Quote, I could see the ship hanging over the old house woods, just as though she were anchored in the sea, and running down to the woods was a rope ladder, lined with forms of men carrying tools and other contraptions. End quote. 
the men then climbed down and disappeared into the woods below. <gasps> Can you fucking imagine that? Fuck, no way. A fucking huge pirate ship with like ghosts on it. It like floats above, above the canopy. The, mm-mm, yep. Mm-mm. And then you see rope ladders come down, and then like just a bunch of like pirates like walk down the fucking ladder. And, I would like, literally just be like, oh, okay, so I'm insane. I yeah. went crazy. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Literally. Yeah. This strange ship is not the only one that's been reported to be seen. What? Much like the many buried treasure stories, there are tons of these ghost ship stories, all very similar to one another. In most reports, the ship is completely silent, and it is described as being surrounded by mysterious fog that seems to roll along with it as it hovers. The craziest thing is that people still see the ship all of the time. Wait, like to this day? Here's an account from 2015. <gasps> what? From the blog, seeksghosts.blogspot.com. I am so intrigued right now. So this is the whole account. Quote, I grew up in Matthews, Virginia, and the summer I turned 13 years old, I saw Old Housewood's phantom ship. One night, I was with my parents as we drove to the house just on the other side of the woods in an area behind what the locals call Shagtail. My parents went inside to check on an elderly couple my mother took care of. I remained in the car. It had been about 15 minutes when I looked to the right in an area near the woods. I saw an old ship coming in from the Chesapeake Bay. I was stunned, for it was floating 50 feet above the water. Damn! I watched as it hovered over Shagtail, which today is eroded away, and then end up on the beach. This ship came to a stop between the shore and the wood line. It was not close to me, but I still remember vivid details. It was made of wood with three masts. There were two short masts and one tall one. The ship was huge. I saw a lot of ropes, but the sails were not up. A gray fog moved in with the ship. I was so scared I did not leave the car to join my parents inside. Instead, I locked all the doors. As I watched for five or ten more minutes in disbelief, I saw the fog grow thicker and then the ship just faded away. When my parents returned, I told them what I had seen. They didn't believe me. But I talked about the ship for years afterwards, so my parents began to wonder if I did see something since it had such an impact on me. When I was 16 years old, my mother showed me an old book with stories about old house woods being haunted. On one page were several eyewitness accounts about seeing the phantom ship. The descriptions in these accounts were similar to what I had seen. I am 33 years old now and no longer live in Matthews, but if I visit, I will never return to the woods at night. End quote. Damn. Like, okay. That just gave me chills. Yeah. I mean, don't go to the woods at night, period. period. Yeah, no, it's terrifying. Absolutely not. Exactly. Then there's this account from a duck hunter named Henry Forrest, who was hunting in the woods when he saw black shapes on the water of White Creek. Thinking they were ducks, Henry set his gun to fire when the black... He shot at the ghost ship? Oh my god. Well, no, wait. Okay, okay. (gasps) Holy shit. This is a different thing. Okay. (sighs) So he sees these like black blobs and he's like, okay, those are ducks. Yeah. So he gets ready to set his gun to fire when the black blobs shape-shifted into several angry-looking red coat soldiers. (gasps) Freaked the fuck out, Henry ran through the woods back to his boat only to find another ghostly redcoat waiting in it for him. In the vehicle. In his fucking boat. Oh, in his boat. Still. Shit. He like is technically a vehicle, I guess. Yeah. 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 Transportation. Yeah. A marine vehicle. I don't know. Vessel. Vessel. Is more accurate. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. 
Uh, holy fucking shit. Can you imagine that? Uh, no, I, first of all, I probably still would have shot at them. I'm not gonna lie. If the gun was, like, already there. Also, like, does the red coat have, like, a Mai Tai? Is he, like, welcoming? Or he's just, like... He's British, so probably not. Probably not, no. So he has tea? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, who the fuck wants tea? (laughs) The fuck out of here. nice chai, I don't know. I don't think they had chai during the Revolutionary War. They probably had just some shitty There's no pumpkin spice happening here. (laughs) Aww. I I'm, like pumpkin spice. I know. I'm a, it's, I'm the season is coming. Girl. I know. Uh, I once went to this bougie coffee shop in Seattle that called it autumnal, autumnal flavoring. And oh. I was like, oh, okay. It's That's pumpkin fine. spice. Thanks. Yeah, Relax. thanks. Yeah. It's like, we know what's up. So he comes across this fucking red coat in his boat waiting for him. <gasps> okay. And when Henry threatened to shoot the spirit, it told him, quote, you shoot and the devil's curse to you and your traitor's breed, end quote. Oh, damn. So, I might use that in my daily right? life now. I, that was kind of badass. I'm not going to lie. Fucking for sure. Yeah. Either because he was terrified or gave zero fucks about the apparition's ominous threat, Henry pulled the trigger anyway. <laughs> yes! Go, Henry. Yeah. But what he did, the gun refused to fire. <gasps> Can't shoot ghosts, man. Everybody knows. You gotta have ghost bullets. I mean, got to. <laughs> After pulling the trigger again, only to have the gun fail again, Henry pulled a Monique Sanchez move and threw his gun at the ghost <laughs> and ran away in terror. I'm like, yep, that's what I'd do. Oh my god, no. I love that so much. That used to be my pet peeve in movies when they ran out of bullets and they just like tossed the gun out of the floor. I was like, at least throw it at the guy. Like, trot. You could hit him in the head with it. It yeah. would hurt. Like, like do something. Just throw it on the ground like it's trash. No. Yeah, that it's heavy. Yeah. That hurts. Or you could use it as, like, a blunt object and exactly. hit him with it. Amateurs. Come on. Exactly. It's fucking amateur hour. <laughs> One of the weirdest and most terrifyingly what-the-fuck sightings are the many accounts within the Cursed Forest of strange skeletons dressed <gasps> in armor wandering the woods. What? In 1926, a very well-respected man of the community named Jesse Hudgens reported that he had been approached by a group of strangers carrying lanterns that gave off a mysterious glow. As the strangers came closer, he realized that they were skeletons wearing strange old-fashioned armor. One of these strangers came up to Hudgens and pulled out a large, ancient sword and menacingly waved it at him, causing him to flee for his life. Can you fucking imagine? No, like, I'd be like, not. What is happening? I'd be like, am I high? What's happening? I don't... Yeah. I don't do drugs, but I, that's the only way that this could be happening right now. Otherwise, this makes no sense. Yeah. Like, just a bunch of skeletons in fucking old-timey armor no. are showing up, and then one of them waves his fucking... I was going to say his knife, his fucking sword at me. No. No fucking thank no, you. No, thank you. No. I'll pass. In another account, a man's car broke down in the middle of the night on the road that runs through the woods, which is literally my worst fucking nightmare. Mm-mm, yes. Oh, yes. my fucking God. Yes. Which, and depending on what year it is, like, if you don't have a cell phone, like, ooh, Yeah. Absolutely not. As he was trying to fix it, a figure that he described to be a skeleton wearing old armor approached him and asked, quote, Is this the king's highway? I've lost my ship. End quote. The man noped the fuck out of there immediately, <laughs> leaving his car behind. He's like, deuces, I'm fucking You out. can have this, thanks. Yeah. I'm not, I don't know what the king's highway is, but. <laughs> That's when you're just like, uh-huh. Yeah. You're like, it's yeah, that yeah, way. Yeah. It's the way that is opposite me. Yeah, way over there just way far away yeah thanks ghostly animals are also said to haunt the woods as well what there, 
There have been multiple reports of black horses that attack people in the woods. <gasps> ghost crows that crackle and sleep. ghost crows. Yes. <laughs> Which I was oh like, how is that a thing? Th- like, I was how do you know it's a ghost thing? crow? Yeah. I don't is know. it like translucent or I don't some know. sort of yeah? But apparently, ghost crows that crackle and screech from the tree canopy. Apparently, this is ghost crows. Okay, that's news to me and sort of terrifying. Crows hold grudges. I don't want a ghost crow to hold a grudge forever. For fucking real. Yeah. Absolutely. Two black ghost dogs have been known to chase trespassers away. They'll pounce at people and have even been known to jump into the beds of trucks, leaving deep claw marks before disembarking. Damn. The sounds of their howls are allegedly enough to cause fearless men to shiver. Ooh. And if that's not enough... Phantom headless cows have also been reported in the area, which, what, what the, the fuck? fuck? Literally, what the fuck? How does that even happen? I don't know. I literally don't know. I'm like, I guess because they don't have opposable thumbs to pick up the head afterwards. Like, whereas I feel like with a ghost, a headless ghost human, they just like carry it around because yeah. they got, they can pick it up afterwards. But if you cut the head off a cow and it comes back as a ghost, yeah, what are they going to do? They can't pick it up. I guess not. You just walk around headless cow. Headless cow. I don't know the logistics. I'm just I, trying dude, to do I don't that. know. I just know that sometimes <laughs> you don't have a head and you wander around the afterlife with a pumpkin instead of a head. <laughs> if Sleepy Hollow has taught me anything. If it's taught me anything, it's taught me a fucking it's lot. It's yeah. Fuck, I want to go to Sleepy Hollow so bad. There you go. We can do that. <gasps> oh my god. I mean, I'm going to be a scaredy cat the whole time, but we can do that. No, literally fucking same. Yeah. <laughs> uh, am I going to dress up like Christina Ricci when we go? Maybe. That was assumed. Okay, good. Of course. Yay! (gasps) Okay, we gotta plan this. This is so exciting. (laughs) Um, Oh my god. October's like four seconds away. I know, I know. It's literally, it's passing the blur. We gotta make this happen. Okay. But here's the thing. The apparition that unnerves me the most is that of the Storm Woman. Oh no. According to local legend, the Storm Woman assumes the figure of an adult woman with light hair and a faded nightgown. She glows in an earthly green or pale blue, and during storms with heavy winds, the storm woman supposedly floats up above the canopy of the trees along the road and lets out an unearthly scream in an attempt to warn sailors out at sea of potential doom. And I don't know why, but that just, like, freaks me the fuck out. I mean, that's scary as fuck. That's, like... Kind of like Banshee-esque a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, in New England, uh, a lot of fishing towns and places that are close to the water have, um, a lot of the homes have widow's walks. <gasps> yeah. Which I had never, obviously growing up in Miami, that's not a thing. No, no, no. Not at all. And just like the thought of your husband being a sailor and you just going out there to like try and spot his ship coming in and sometimes it never came back just upsets me in such a core level it's deeply upsetting yeah so that whenever i remember going to salem and seeing a bunch of widows walk and it's just like really upsets me yeah i mean the fact that they're called widows walk exactly yeah again love and alliteration but (laughs) that one's a dark one yeah it's a dark one uh so that it just the the storm woman has a a similar yeah, vibe. She totally does. So it's very upsetting. Now, to obligatory devil's advocate. Tell me, girl. There are those who've lived in the area of the woods 
who claim that the scariest thing they've had to deal with are the enormous mosquitoes that come from the marshes. Oh my god, I can't even, yeah. Oh fuck, seriously. And that the stories are just creepy urban legends to keep people off of private property, which the woods now are. Okay. But because of its history of strange occurrences, the cursed forest has become a hotbed for paranormal investigators who have come to explore the supernatural phenomenon only to be faced with a myriad of technical complications. I was watching a YouTube video on Old House Woods, and one of the comments said, quote, I had my equipment go dead when I got out of the car there. Also heard whispering in the woods. Very interesting place. End quote. However, there are those that have been able to capture ghostly images, bizarre videos of strange lights and figures, and EVP recordings of voices, footsteps, and even the sounds of cannon fire. What? That one's especially odd. Yeah. All the other stuff you can chalk up to it being just something in the woods. Yeah. I guess, yeah. But like, what the fuck is going to make a cannon fire sound? Yeah. And to me, you just can't really discount the personal stories. This was a comment left on the blog about the old house woods. Quote, My adult son and I came to the area June 18th through 19th, 2019, for the first time to enjoy the area and research our ancestors who settled in the area in the mid-1600s. So, of course, Old House Woods Road and Haven Beach Road were a must-see. On the 18th, we arrived around 11.30. We drove slowly back and forth down the two roads. We both noticed a sharp change in temperature several times on Haven Beach Road, near the parking area, and both of us felt lightheaded on a few occasions. We had made our last round and were leaving when we experienced something unexplainable. I was driving slowly, and out of nowhere, a strange, white, glowing figure, about four feet tall and a couple feet wide, appeared in front of the car on the driver's side. We sat perfectly still and quiet, and after about 10 to 15 seconds, the figure hugged the car and moved quickly around behind the car and stopped at the front passenger side of the car. At that point, I hit the gas, and after a few minutes of collecting ourselves, we returned but didn't see anything else. Although we didn't experience pirates or ghost ships in the sky, what we saw was very, very real, and we are now staunch believers that there is definitely supernatural activity in the Old House Woods Road area. End quote. Holy shit! And that is the crazy goings-on of the old house woods. Damn. Well, I know where I'm not going. <laughs> Girl. Because that seems like a lot. That's a lot of lot of things happening all in one place. Yeah. That's not just a few ghosties roaming around an old hotel. That's like a lot of shit happening That's all in one place. That's a lot of fucking shit. Yeah. No. That's real specific. Yeah. And like, can you imagine just like coming across... Any of it. Like, Fuck, any, any of it. Yeah. Literally fucking any of it. But, yeah. like, pirates like, looking for buried treasure, and then, like, Redcoats being like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I'm also looking for buried treasure. Like, my bad. Like, yeah. you checked here? No? Okay, I'm going to check over here. Like, there's everyone buried their fucking treasure in these fucking And then, ones. like, skeletons in, like, suits of armor, and then, like, ghost ships? And if it's raining, you might see this fucking woman come out and scream. No, no, thank you. Not to mention the fucking headless cattle and the fucking dogs, whatever the fuck is happening there. The ghost crows? No. No. This is all... Is anything real in this this fucking woods, Monique? I guess the trees. (laughs) They're ghost trees. (laughs) They're fucking ghost trees, Monique. I don't even believe it anymore. It's ridiculous. 
Yeah, fucking wild. Damn. All right, well, stay away from Virginia. There you go. Also, if anyone's from Virginia and you have some fucking crazy ass <gasps> stories about yeah, yeah, I think we know. definitely have a lot of listeners in Virginia. I feel like we should. We definitely. You're spooky do. like us, you know. You know. Yeah. But yeah, any personal stories about these fucking woods? Oh, Holla no. at a bitty. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Monique. <laughs> that was lovely. You're I enjoyed welcome. that. That was so many ghosts all in one. There was so many. Yeah. Because I was going to do another story as as, as, as a the ghost, case, yeah. As it goes. And then I clicked on a link that brought up these woods and I was like, wait, what the fuck? It was like, oh yeah, this woods are haunted as fuck. They got pirates and buried treasure and ghosts and ghost ships <laughs> like, and sorry. headless cows. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening with There's these woods? a lot going on right now. Yeah. There you go. I hope you enjoyed it. I fucking did enjoy it. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you. It's like a smorgasbord. <laughs> amazing. It literally had everything. It did. It really did. It had yeah. shit I didn't even know like existed in ghostly form, which I still can't handle. Headless cow. Who knew? I, not I. Not I. Boom. Is that what like, it's just like roaming around like. Does it even move? Like, oh no. Like the fucking, no. Like the I chicken. No. Like the chicken was it? It's like a gurgle move. No, thank you. Just a bloody gurgling sound. Ooh, like, no. Whoa. And is this what's like uh, hanging around a bunch of slaughterhouses? There's just like a bunch of fucking. I don't. Ghost animals? Uh, what like, is. I don't know what's happening with the fucking headless cow. No. I'm very. I'm very perturbed by that though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't handle being face to face with any of those well. No. God, no. But oh my the, God. Does that mean Mike the headless chicken is forever a ghost <gasps> headless chicken? He probably is. That probably makes sense. I mean, there's the the theory that whatever you die in becomes your ghost outfit. I can't handle that. So that no, no, is... No. I cannot handle that being the truth. <laughs> I'm going to look like fucking shit. So that is um, that is something to take into consideration. Or maybe maybe change out of the, the yoga pants once in a while. No, Monique. I refuse. <laughs> I'm wearing them still. I'm wearing them still. Uh, does that mean if you die naked, you're stuck naked for eternity? That's actually my nightmare. That is my nightmare. Yeah. I no. don't need people to be seeing me. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't want, like, <laughs> oh my god, can you imagine being surprised by a naked ghost? I don't know what would be, like, more terrifying of the fact yeah. that you saw a ghost or the fact that it was naked. Is there, like, a censorship board in the afterlife? Of, like, we can't have the nips out. <laughs> I was thinking you had told a naked ghost story before, but I realize now it was, um, it was, like, Winston Churchill in the White House yes. seeing the ghost while he was naked, he was right? Naked. Yeah. yeah. It was like, you've caught me at a disadvantage. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Winston Churchill. That was a terrible Churchill impression, but <laughs> it wasn't really trying, to be fair. It's a quippy man. <laughs> he is a quippy man. Yeah. He's way quippier than I am. That's for sure. Yes. That's for sure. Than most of us. Yeah, that's very true. Yep. Yes. Well, thank you for that fucking insanity of yeah. fucking ghosts this morning. Yeah. No problem. Fuck yeah. Skeletons and crazy shit. Oh my. Yeah. Oh my. Do you have something? I have a something for you. Prime time? I have something for you. It's not a man falling out of a plane that I can <laughs> that I can guarantee you. All right. Sources. Obviously, I was watching Oxygen all fucking weekend. So, Oxygen's Charmed to Death. Oh, shit. Which I believe is like one of their newer shows because I had not seen that. And this was season one, episode three. Fuck yeah. Uh, APnews.com, SACB.com, uh, which is the Sacramento Bee newspaper, uh, newspapers.com, LATimes.com, 
deseret.com, which is apparently like, uh, has to do with the Book of Mormon and means like honeybee. Oh. So. The more you There you go. We're going to be in Utah for some of this, guys, which that'll make sense. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, and then uh, some excerpts from the book Tainted Roses. Oh, shit. By Margie Danielson. So, Margie Danielson was born in Utah and lived there her whole life. She got pregnant at a young age and subsequently married, but always felt like she grew up with her three daughters, almost as one of the kids. Her and her husband eventually divorced, and at 37, Margie found herself single again after 20 years of marriage. Oh, shit. Yeah. Well, she got married at 17? 17, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Utah. Babe, Utah. Yeah. Damn, Mormon. Also, it's like the fucking 70s, kind of? Or like... That was like Like late 60s, so like it's kind of sort of more normal. My mother got married at 24 in 1979, and she was like considered an old maid at the time. Yeah, my great grandmother like got married and had her first kid by like sixteen. <gasps> I mean, great grandmother, obviously. So like, yeah. yeah. But who? My grandmother was twenty six. Can't imagine that. Ooh, so she's God. probably like the oldest bitch ever. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, and now look at us now, Monique. This is amazing. It's right. a fucking dream. Like, <laughs> I was like, solidly in my thirties, no kids. Amazing. Boom. Fuck yeah. Nailing it. I am, I really am though, aren't yeah. I? It's kind of amazing. Absolutely. No, no shade to anyone who has kids. That is the fucking hardest job and I can't fucking do it. That's why I'm like so... Literally same. Uh, yeah. Like my heart goes out to you because you are so strong and so amazing. I, mean, I can't. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I can That's barely, why I have kids. <laughs> I can barely keep myself alive. Literally. Literally same. <laughs> I'll have moments where I'm like, did I eat today? No, I didn't. Okay, <laughs> fuck. Is it 11.30 p.m.? Yes, it is. Should I eat? Probably. See, you're at least better than me. You, like, take care of plants. I can't even do that. <laughs> Are there times I also am about to fall asleep and I'm like, fuck, I didn't water any of these plants and I have to get up and water all of them? Yes. You still do it, though. I do. You're a great plant mom. Have I also had a lot of plants die? Yes. If, the, <laughs> if the, these were children, I would be in jail, Monique. Like, <laughs> I've killed a significant amount of them. Okay, Andrea Yates. Jesus. <laughs> no, no. Oh my god, no, I don't know. <laughs> don't compare me to that fucking psycho. No, she's a fucking psycho. No, you're a delight and a Thank wonderful you. plant mother. Thank you. I try. I try really hard. That's as much as I can manage, just dogs and plants. That's it. So after the divorce, she stayed home with her daughters for about a year before she decided to try to get back out there and find love again. Mm. So in 1987, Margie went with some friends to a Western club in nearby Salt Lake City. She noticed a good-looking man a sitting Western at the bar. club. I know. Okay. I know we don't really, I feel like we don't really have a lot of those in New York, but I would imagine they're pretty popular. I mean, there is. On the West Coast, yeah. There is Flaming Saddles and Hell's Kitchen. Oh, which okay. Is a gay country bar <gasps> a la that Coyote Ugly. Amazing. And that I sounds think, way better than any regular Western bar, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, and then at the, I, th- I think it's on the hour, all the bartenders like get on the bar and like boot scoot. I love that so yeah. much. But Flaming Saddles for me, when the night ends and you are at, you're at Flaming Saddles, <laughs> choices, it's time to go home. I was like, choices have been made, first like, of all. Yeah. It's, it's time to go. I need to go home. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. No shade to the place. It's tons of fun, but it's like, okay, I need to go. I need to go home. <laughs> I know where I'm at right now. That's amazing. So she noticed a good looking man sitting at the bar. And after they caught one another's eye, he eventually made his way over to her. Mm. He introduced himself as Sean Paul Lanier and asked her to dance. He was very confident and charming, and Margie said he was a gentleman. 
They enjoyed their evening together, and when it was time to go, Sean Paul asked how he could get to know her better. Which, for the record, did I have the song Temperature by Sean Paul stuck in my head the entire time throughout the story? Yes. Amy. (laughs) Amy. Amy. This is Amy. I'm so fucking obsessed with you. I can't even fucking handle it. I was waiting, like, I was doing that shitty thing of waiting for you to stop talking to me. Like, am I fucked up? Because all I'm picturing is Sean Paul, like, no. Rapper? No. I literally, like, danced around to that while I was writing the story the whole time. Just give me the light. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So if you have that stuck in your head all day after this, I apologize profusely because I know how you feel right now. I went through this exact thing. Am I going to stop calling him Sean Paul? No. So you're going to have to deal with it for the rest of the fucking story. (laughs) It's not Sean. It's Sean Paul. It's Sean Paul. I'm... (laughs) So obsessed with I love you so much. I love that every time I forget thing up, you're like, oh my God, was my brain thinking the exact same thing? Yes. Uh, uh, you're amazing. You're amazing. She gave him her number and told him to call her that they would get to know each other that way. Margie said she was trying to be careful because she wanted to make sure her next relationship was going to be a good one. Mm. A few days later, Margie got the call she'd been waiting for and Sean Paul invited her out to dinner. She Is was- she a Mormon or did I, did I make that up? Did um, I just put that together because she's in Utah? Uh, she is not a Mormon, to okay. my knowledge. Okay. That was never mentioned. Cool. She was excited to go on a date after all these years, and when he arrived at her door with red roses, <gasps> she was impressed. I mean, yeah. Yeah, dude, it's like pulling all the stops. At Have dinner, you ever been given flowers on your first date? No, but I'm, I was also one of those girls for a really long time who had, like, the speech against cut flowers because... Uh, I think Whitney Cummings actually has a really good bit about it, which is like, why do men feel the need to give women something so they can watch it die? Mm. So I'm that that annoying girl. Yeah. I'd much rather get a potted plant that I can continue to have grow and watch. Yeah, I guess Um, so. No, I feel like really uh, the only time a guy ever like brought me flowers, it was very... Very much uh, not wanted, and I told him repeatedly before he tried to do it that I was, like, not interested and to please not do that on Valentine's Day because, like, I wasn't interested in him. This was in, like, middle school, too, so. And did he do it anyway? Yes. Was I embarrassed horribly? Yes. Did I literally beg my mother that morning not to make me go to school? That's how much I was fucking dreading this. Yes. Facts. I mean, well, you know, when they're that age, they're raised. When a woman says no, she actually means yes. Yay. She's playing hard to get. Great. I wasn't into it. So yeah, that's my experience with flowers. <laughs> with receiving flowers. <laughs> so no, but I, I'm sure in this in this case it was lovely for him to show up with red roses. Have you ever been greeted with roses on a first date? On a first date? date? Absolutely not. No. No. It's no. a bold move to be. It fair. is a bold move. Yeah. And I'm also not a red roses type person. No. It's too cliche. You got to be interesting. You got to pick a different thing. Dude. It's a basic bitch bouquet. It's a basic but here's bitch the thing. Bouquet. But for a first date, I think that's acceptable because it's safe. You don't know the chick you're you're dealing with. Like if she's new and it's not like you have a friendship, and I think that's a safe choice because it's like yeah. most women like it. But if you know me, there's no way you look at a bouquet of red. Ro- there's a whole like incident that happened with me <laughs> that is very close to home. Of like, there was a guy I was seeing for a few months, and then we stopped seeing each other because I was like. Had two jobs and was in two off-Broadway shows. And he got on time for the shit, yeah. And I was like, I don't really have time to date you. And then he showed up, but he was, like, doing that thing of, like, oh, I just need to, like, do the correct steps. And then you'll be mine, yeah. you'll be mine again. And he showed up to my show, 
with a bouquet of red and white roses and baby's breath. And I was like, I am not a red and white roses baby's breath kind of gal. No, no shade to anyone who is. It's they're just beautiful. Not, they're very yeah. pretty. It's just not me. Like, yeah. You don't look at that and you're like, that's Monique. No. All over it. It's, no. It's, it Which, was very much, this is the thing I do to get a girl to like me yes. again. Girls like roses. I've been told girls like roses. Yeah. So all girls like roses. Yes. Yeah. What's your go-to bouquet? What's your flower of choice? Lilies. Always. I was going to guess that weirdly. Yeah. I'm a sunflower girl. I could I'm see a that. fucking weirdo. Yeah. Or like something that like a... A smattering of different things. I like a smattering of different things. Yeah, like I like an assortment. An assortment. Yeah, yeah, like the the men that I've had the the most significant romantic relationships with. The bouquets were lilies, and they, he didn't know that I liked lilies. It was okay. Basically, it was a Valentine's Day situation, and the woman was trying to like push him to the red roses, and he's like, "No, I think." For some reason, I need to do this. And I'm like, correct choice. that's correct. Yes. Yes. Because I'm not a Red Roses gal. And then the other man, it was a, there were sunflowers in it. It was like a bunch of stuff, but there were sunflowers in it. I'm, I approve. Yeah. I wholeheartedly. So I was like, yes, that's correct. correct. That's good. Yes. That's different and interesting. And yeah. yeah. But I've never gotten flowers on the first day. No, no. It's As we said, it's a bold move. Yeah. So at dinner, they got to know one another better. He told her he was a successful chef and had graduated from Cordon Bleu in Paris. Mm. And how fancy, right? He was also a bodybuilder, so he was in good shape. Oh, my. And Margie said, quote, I was quite impressed with him, end quote. As they opened up to each what other. Is, what is, what is, what year is this, roughly? 87. Oof. Okay, so no, no Googling. No. No. No, 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 no. finding no, out that most of this is bullshit. No. There's none of that. Oh, none of that. No. Okay. I don't know how people did it back then. Oh my god, it's it's so terrifying. Really, so terrifying. I don't know how anybody grew up like dating pre- yeah. in this time. It's seriously just like a crapshoot. You just like roll the dice, and you're like, I really hope he's not like going to turn into an abusive murderer after I marry him. Like, yeah. <laughs> fingers and that crossed. everything he's telling me is true. Yeah, and he's not like has another family or is like fucking a bunch of other women on the side. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So as they opened up to each other, he told her he had a daughter in California and that she meant everything to him. And since Margie had three daughters of her own, she was able to relate to that and they really bonded over their love for their children. At the end of the date, Sean Paul opened up telling her he couldn't believe the feelings he was already having for her. Not afraid to show his vulnerable side, he told her he thought he'd finally met the person he was supposed to be with for the rest of his life. First date. First date. Oof. It's a lot. It's a lot. But again... But she's into it. But she's into it. Like, sometimes I get it. From the right guy, it can seem, like, very flattering where you're like, I'm amazing. He likes me. I get it. Like, he's really into me. What's not to love? I have a thought as to where this is going. Tell me your thoughts, honey. You can cut it if I spoil. Okay. That he essentially looked her up it was like stalking her and it was like oh i too have a daughter i give it oh that is actually not the case oh I will tell right. you right now no right no that's that's less Ooh, good. that means i can yeah that means i can surprise her still yes. she doesn't know <laughs> it's this is not the susan monica this is not the susan monica where you just fucking <laughs> call that shit i loved it the whole time you were calling i loved it but like we said, she was very flattered with his confession of his feelings, and over the next few months, he continued to shower Margie with attention. He would send her flowers, treat her to dinner, and take her and her daughters on outings. Margie's daughter, Kara, said, quote, he was fun and playful. He was nice, end quote. I know, ominous uh, as fuck, always. 
Margie admitted that she started to fall in love with the seemingly perfect man who spoiled her and her daughters. Then one day he took Margie to this exclusive health club and he told her that he already got her and her daughter's memberships there and he wanted to buy them workout clothes too because he's super into working out. Okay. While she always appreciated his generosity, she told him that this was just too much. Mm. Then a few days later, Margie and her daughters walked into their house and saw that there were workout clothes there. Hanging on each bedroom door, there was a workout outfit and a pair of shoes below to match. Margie froze, knowing Sean Paul didn't have a key to her <gasps> house, and wondering how the fuck he had gotten in. Oh, can you imagine? My, no, I cannot. Oh my fucking god, I would have moved immediately. I'd be like, no, 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 that we're done. Like, the, no, absolutely not. So, but here's the thing: if he does that shit when he likes you, what's the shit he's gonna do <gasps> when Girl, he's mad? On the nosy, yes, <gasps> that's the scariest part, right? Oh my god. Oh yeah. Freaked out, she called him and asked him how he'd gotten in the house. Not acting like it was a big deal, he told her her bathroom window was open and he just wanted to surprise her. What since the fuck? Who wouldn't... is climbing through a window ever? Right? And usually like... Unless you're escaping is. a yes. bad situation. Most bathroom windows I know are like fucking tiny too. Or yes. like over the toilet or something. You have to like really like maneuver yourself. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. And he said he just wanted to surprise her since she wouldn't let him give her the workout clothes. But Margie obviously felt incredibly violated that this man had broken into her house and told him it was all too much, that she couldn't do this anymore, and that she needed a break. Mm -hmm. But Sean Paul didn't stay away for long, and one day Margie came home to find a note slipped under her front door. It said that something terrible had happened and that he needed to speak to her. She called him to see what was wrong, and he started crying on the phone, telling her that his daughter had been in a car accident. Mm. Clearly upset, he asked her to come over. Margie oh, no. felt bad for him, and she agreed. But as soon as she got to the house and saw him, she started to think he was acting strange. He didn't seem grief-stricken to her, and Margie said, quote, something in his eyes didn't feel right. Oh my god. End quote. She felt a bolt of fear and immediately got a sick feeling that something wasn't right. He tried to get her to come inside, but Margie couldn't ignore her instincts yes. and told him no. Get it, Margie. When it was clear that she wasn't going into the house with him, he tried to grab her <gasps> arm and pull her inside. Oh my god. I know. Oh my god. Oh my but god. But Margie is fucking amazing and she's a badass. And Fuck yeah. she fucking pulls away from him and immediately ran back to her car and locked the doors. She said, quote, I felt like I had escaped, end quote. Later, an apologetic Sean Paul called to explain, saying that his daughter had died and he had taken it out on her and that he was so sorry. You're full of shit. Girl. Unable to imagine losing one of her girls that way. No! Stop Margie, being a kind human being. I know. Couldn't help but feel bad for him and That's why you send, send him some fucking flowers there in a card. Go. Like, sorry about sorry it. Sorry for Sucks. your luck. Condolences. Condolences. She brushed aside his previous strange behavior, nope. and the whole thing actually ended up bringing them closer together. Oh, no. I know. It was after this tragic event that they ended up being intimate for the first time. Oh, no. Margie was nervous since he was only the second man she had ever been with, but mm. said, quote, he was very romantic, very tender, very loving, end quote. He made her believe that everything was going to be okay, and according to Margie, quote, he was very good at being intimate, end quote. Oh my. Yeah. With their relationship rekindled, they picked up right where they left off. 
According to her daughter, Kara, they were very affectionate, very touchy, very kissy, and seemed very much in love. Mm. Now, money had never seemed like an issue for Sean Paul. He had a successful career working as a chef and was constantly spoiling her and her girls with gifts and outings. But then one day, Margie noticed that the gold necklace Sean Paul always wore was suddenly gone. Mm. When she asked him about it, he told her that he lost it. But a few days later, she stumbled across a pawn slip for the necklace. Mm. Thinking he must have lied to save his pride, she thought he must have been really hard up to pawn his necklace. Mm. Her doubts disappeared, however, when Sean Paul proposed about a year after they met with a beautiful heart-shaped diamond. They got married on Valentine's Day, and while it was a quaint wedding, Sean Paul planned the whole thing. Uh He found the venue, renting out the top floor of the Imperial Hotel, and even ordered all of the flowers. Mm. Her daughter, Kara, said they just kind of signed the marriage certificate and that he wasn't even dressed up for the wedding, which she thought was odd. Yeah. A few days later, Margie was thrilled to hear that Sean was going to be on a midday television show, cooking a flaming dessert from his restaurant's new menu. He claimed he was too nervous to do the show and tried to get his assistant chef to do it instead, but the producer insisted it be him. On the show, he wore his oversized chef's hat and a pair of glasses Margie had never seen him wear before. Watching him on TV, she thought his answers to the host's questions sounded tense and noticed that he looked down a lot, but she just chalked it up to his nerves. After Sean Paul's brief moment in the spotlight, they settled back into their normal married life. Sean took over the household finances and was very generous with all of them. He started bringing home documents for her to sign and... (sighs) Yeah. No. To be fair, I read this part in like the book excerpts. It seemed like he was always like very forthcoming. He would always like try to explain the documents, made sure she read them, was like... It Uh seemed like he was doing everything very above board and he wasn't like trying to be shysty about it at all. Except. Um, And he made sure to put her on his life insurance policy just in case anything happened to him. Six weeks after their wedding, on March 20th, 1988, Margie got a call from a friend who told her that she was watching the show America's Most Wanted, (gasps) which had premiered its debut episode the previous month. Her friend said they were showing a murderer's picture and told her, either it's Sean Paul or it's his double. (gasps) She went on to tell her that the man on the screen was named Paul Stephen Mack, not Sean Paul Lanier, and was wanted for the murder of two women. Oh my god! Annette Huddle in Ohio and Karen Winslet in California. Oh my god. Can you fucking Can you imagine? imagine? And literally, like, she's been married to this dude for six fucking weeks and he lives in your fucking house with your kids and now you're like, oh shit, he might be a fucking murderer. And... I don't know if you guys know this, but when America's Most Wanted came out, it only broadcast in major cities where yeah. the Fox broadcasting was. So like New York, LA, Chicago, like all right. of that. Major cities. Major cities. Not it in wasn't everywhere. Utah. Yeah, exactly. So like parts of the country don't even really have access to see this at this point in time. Yes. My jaw is on the floor. Oh my fucking God. I could not handle this fucking story for one fucking second. Oh my God. According to the episode, quote, Paul Stephen Mack had been in and out of prison throughout his life for fraud, forgery, and embezzlement, the crimes of a con man. Mm. Paul Stephen Mack is a dangerous man, end quote. Oh my God. Immediately, the fear from before came back. Since she was alone in the house at the time, she started to look through his documents very carefully. (gasps) She was slightly relieved when she saw that everything, including his birth certificate, had the name Sean Paul Lanier on them and started to think 
This was all just a weird coincidence. I'm sorry. What what, what did he get booked on again? Oh, uh, what he actually like went to prison yeah. for? Uh, like fraud, forgery, and embezzlement. Okay. Yes. So fraud and forgery, aka you can forge a fucking birth certificate. There you go. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's picking up, picking up what I'm putting down here. <laughs> But then she came across his daughter's death certificate and noticed that the date she died was wrong. She knew she had been told that she had died in September, but the death certificate said August 10th. Then she noticed that there was no state seal on the death certificate, Mm. which would have made it an official document. Right. So when Sean came home from work, she confronted him with the document and showed him that the date was wrong. He wasn't rattled at all and calmly told her that it must have been a clerical error. He told her he was going to call the hospital where she died and take care of it. He called them immediately and even had Margie listen on the other line. It was something that couldn't be resolved over the phone, and they told him he needed to send a letter instead. But just the fact that he had called right away and let her listen made it seem as though he really above had board. nothing to hide. Yeah, Because this Margie, is not his first motherfucking rodeo. Right, girl. But Margie just couldn't let it go. She just had this feeling. So Mm -hmm. she started going through more and more documents and finding more discrepancies and even misspelled words. She confronted him again, but he always had a smooth response to brush off her concerns. Mm -hmm. Then one night she waited until he was asleep, crept out of bed with her heart racing and went through his wallet, terrified that he was going to catch her. In his wallet, she found two social security cards with two different social security numbers on them. When she mentioned it to him the next day, he confessed to her that he was actually in witness protection. Oh, there you go. Under an assumed name because, get this, he got mixed up with the mafia in New Zealand. Oh. You know, the infamous New Zealand mafia yeah, that I everyone's mean, always talking about. Yeah. Scorsese does so many movies on them. Yeah. She said her first thought was, you are so ridiculous, which, fuck yeah, for not believing this for like one fucking second. Absolutely. Yeah. But she had to pretend to believe him because she was determined to get more information from him. Yeah. As more cracks appeared in Sean Paul's story, Margie started to believe that her husband, Sean Paul Lanier, was in fact the wanted killer, Paul Stephen Mack. She almost called the police, but before she did, she was determined to find out who this man that she had married really was. Mm. Now, this was not mentioned in the Charm to Death episode. It was only mentioned in the book, but Apparently, at this point, Margie hired a private investigator to look into Sean Paul as well. Either way, Margie immediately went on the offensive and started looking into the victims. The first murder had taken place seven years ago in Marion, Ohio, in 1981. Mm. Annette Huddle had been 19 years old at the time. The attractive brunette had just graduated from high school and wanted to be independent, so she got a job as a secretary at the Marion County Country Club. It's this piece of information that stuck with Margie who remembered that Sean Paul had told her that he used to work at, (gasps) you guessed it, the Marion County Country Club. So, Oh, my God. So she or her PI, depending on which version we're going with here, called the Country Club to find out more. Posing as someone calling about a reference for Sean Paul Lanier, the woman on the phone told her she had never heard of a Sean Paul Lanier and that no one by that name had ever worked there. Mm. However, the man named Paul Mack certainly had. He, along with Annette's other co-workers, were interviewed by police after her partially dressed body was found on the morning of July 12th, just seven miles outside Marion. 
According to police, it appeared as though she had been sexually assaulted <gasps> and murdered, but the results from the autopsy were inconclusive because there was no gunshot wound, no stab marks, and no signs of strangulation. Huh. During Paul Mack's interview, Sergeant Tim Bailey said, quote, he was very cooperative, very smooth, answered all of our questions, and was generally very helpful, end quote. Paul had claimed the last time he saw Annette Huddle was at the club, and he had no idea what had happened to her. But Annette's co-workers told a different story. Oh. They all said Paul Mack offered to give her a ride home, and not only that, but he planned to give her some marijuana and wanted her to come back to his house. Mm. Annette's sister, Anita, said her sister didn't like Paul Mack and that she had come home one day and said to her, Oh my gosh, gross, this old man at the country club is making moves on me. Mm. Anita said he would send her flowers and kept asking her out, but she never returned any of his calls or his quote-unquote romantic gestures. Annette would even try to sneak out of work early so he wouldn't see her leave. Mm. For three months, she rejected his advances. Then she disappeared. And obviously, the suspicious circumstances surrounding her disappearance led Paul Mack to be a person of interest to the police. Mm. When they ran his name through the system, though, they found out that he was actually on probation in another county, meaning he was already a convicted felon when he was hired at the Marion <gasps> Country Club. He had been convicted of felony theft and was found to be in violation of his parole, so he was sent back to prison. Ugh. Which is when Sergeant Bailey gained access to Paul's home. Since he was just renting, the homeowner was the one who gave police consent to search the home after mm. he was in jail. Yeah. They could tell that something had been burnt in the fireplace, but all they could find were some small wooden beads that would be similar to those that would come from a macrame purse. According to Anita, the beads that were found in the fireplace were similar to the beads that were on Annette's purse. Ugh. But there were no fingerprints, no other evidence, nothing that specifically put Annette Huddle in that house. Mm. Sergeant Bailey said, quote, Had we gone to trial, I don't think we had enough to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he actually killed her. Right. End quote. Due to the lack of evidence and the fact that their main suspect was currently in prison, the case stalled. Three years later, in 1984, a 33-year-old Paul Mack was released from prison, where he had been serving time because of his parole violation. When he got out, he went to California and had his parole probation transferred to Sacramento, California, so the Marion County police could continue to keep track of him. Mm. It's there that Paul Mack met a working single mother in her early 30s named Sharon. She had already been divorced a few times and wasn't interested in getting into another relationship. Then, one night, Sharon went out dancing with some friends at a country western bar. Mm. Anyone getting deja vu here? Mm. She caught sight of a man at the bar and thought he was cute. After spending the night getting to know one another, Sharon said that for the first time in a long time, she took a man home from the bar with her. She found him incredibly charming and said, quote, he always knew what to say, end quote. Ugh. Her daughter adored him and he really bonded with her, treating her like she was his own. She couldn't help but think, quote, what a good, wholesome family man, end quote. Mm. And she was in love. Then, a month after meeting Sharon, Paul was arrested again on minor charges. He told her it was because his roommate had gotten busted for growing pot in the backyard, and because he was on probation, his probation got revoked and he was sent to the state prison. But even from prison, he was able to charm Sharon into a deeper commitment by telling her that their visitations would be easier to set up if, if they she were, were married. married. Oh my fucking god. So she agreed and married him while he was still in the county jail. Oh my god. She said, quote, 
I have always had the attitude and still have the attitude that life is an adventure. So I thought I was just following my heart, end quote. Even from prison, he showered her with affection, sending her love letters and cards on a daily basis. Over a year later, Paul was released, but Sharon was the one who had to finance their new start. Mm. She didn't need to be married to anyone for financial reasons, and she truly believed they were in love. Then, one day, they got into an argument, and she went upstairs to their bedroom, thinking he would cool off, then come apologize. She was laying on the bed for about 15 seconds, when suddenly, the door came off the hinges, (gasps) and he charged into the room. Oh my god. He jumped on her, put his hands around her neck, and started choking her. (gasps) Sharon said her only thought was that her daughter was in the other room, right down the hall. Then, as quickly as it started, it stopped. While he was immediately contrite, she realized that something wasn't right with this man. So she grabbed her daughter, packed up a few things, and left him. She said, quote, that was it. I was done. Fuck End yeah. quote. Which like, yes! Fuck, yeah. What a fucking bamf. Yes, Sharon. come back from your husband choking you. No. There's no amount of, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, that can take that back. Correct. Yes. And unless you're into that, that's not okay. Right. There you go. Find somebody who is. They're fucking out there. Yeah, but that's not what they want. They want the control. That's true. They want consent. They want control. That's true. I just like so many times it has to happen multiple times before it's the like, no, I'm done. So the fact that it was like one and done, I just like fucking love that. Mm. Good on you, Sharon. Get it, Sharon. After Sharon left him and with Marion County still keeping tabs on him, Paul managed to stay out of trouble until 1987. Detective Bob Bell of the Sacramento County Sheriff's Department was investigating the disappearance of Karen Winslet. The 21-year-old beauty queen worked at a local restaurant, but was also a part-time model. Hmm. According to her sister, Kathy, she was very geeky until about 7th or 8th grade. Then she just went from geek to gorgeous overnight. On February 19th, 1987, Karen had an appointment with a photographer for what she had been told was a Budweiser photo shoot. Now, she was a smart girl, and she would always bring her boyfriend or somebody else with her to her photo shoots for her safety. Hmm. But... Her boyfriend was out of town, and her best friend was busy, so she decided to go alone this one time. Oh, no. She left a note for her boyfriend with the photographer's address, and when Detective Bell interviewed the boyfriend after Karen's disappearance, he told the detective he immediately drove out to the address when Karen didn't return home. He knocked on the door and was met by, you guessed it, Paul fucking Mack. He denied knowing Karen or even having heard her name before. Oh my god. Right. Then, several hours later, Paul called the boyfriend back and told him that he actually did have an appointment with Karen, but that he had canceled it. Okay. Sure, Jim. Hadn't even heard her name a couple of hours ago. But okay. Detective Bell went to interview Paul at his house. He described him as nice-looking and well-groomed, but said, quote, He had a certain arrogance about him Mm. and an ego, Mm. end quote. Paul had a friend there at the time claiming he wanted a witness for the interview. What Detective Bell couldn't help but notice, though, was that Paul didn't seem to have any photography equipment in his house. Yep. At all. When questioned, he said he was with his brother the morning of Karen's disappearance, and then he went to the hairdresser. So Detective Bell called the hairdresser, who said he had come in around 3 or 3.30, But 
also mentioned that he had called to cancel his 10 a.m. appointment. Mm. Catching him in a lie and immediately suspicious, Bell ran a background check on Paul Mack and discovered that he had been in prison for a variety of crimes and had been married several times already. Mm. There was no evidence of foul play at this point in Karen's disappearance, but police put out a broadcast with her picture, the description of her car, and any other information they had and asked for the public's help in finding her. Mm. Then an electrical worker who knew Karen saw her car in a local motel parking lot. He called the police and they found her body laying in the back seat. <gasps> Just like with Annette Huddle, there wasn't any outward damage to her body, but the toxicology report <gasps> said that she had taken Percodin, which is a drug used by dentists for tooth pain and had died of a dose that was 25 times the lethal amount. Holy shit. Fucking insane. That's so fucking much. Karen's sister Kathy said, quote, somebody else put those pills in her stomach. They force fed her those pills, end quote. And she was positive the person who did it was Paul Mack because he had been the last person to see her. After the discovery of Karen's body, Detective Bell interviewed the man who had been at Paul's house during his interview. And it turns out this guy was actually Paul's dentist. And Detective Bell discovered that he had been over-prescribing Percodin to Paul for some time. Oh, shit. Yep. Bell said, quote, It was enough to probably arrest him, but I wasn't certain we were going to get a conviction at that point. End quote. Because again, there was no physical evidence that put her conclusively in his house on that day. Right. The note with the address is, like, suspicious as fuck. and it Circumstantial. Looked, it, yeah, it doesn't look good, but... It doesn't actually prove anything. Right. Eventually, Marion County does their routine parole checkup on Paul Mack, and Sergeant Bailey was told that he needed to get in contact with the Sacramento County Sheriff's Office because Paul Mack was now involved in another case there and a possible murder, no less. <gasps> right? Like, they're already like, uh, dude, we're fucking, like, literally, we keep calling to check on you because we think you're fucking suspicious as fuck with this yeah. other murder like yeah. you're gonna fucking be suspicious as fuck with another murder like guys Bro, come yeah. on bailey called the sacramento homicide division while paul contacted an attorney the attorney called detective bell and said they were willing to surrender paul mack to them the police were like great hand him over yeah he was supposed to show up for an interview at the sheriff's office but he never showed and mm. just took off Ugh. detective bell was certain they would be able to find him and that he would show up soon the police searched for him, but he was just gone. Ugh. It was just three months after he fled from possible murder charges in Sacramento that he met Margie Danielson in Salt Lake City. Oh my god. Now, it's March 1988, and Margie and the man she knows as Sean Paulinier are newly married, and Margie fears her and her daughters are living with a man who she believes is a fugitive wanted for the murder of two young women. Mm. Despite the risk to herself, she continued to investigate him. While she believes the man she knows as Sean Paul Lanier is actually Paul Mack, she wanted to be able to confirm it beyond a reasonable doubt. So she decided to take a huge risk and try to get his fingerprints. Oh, shit. She managed to get a drinking glass with his fingerprints on it and brought it to the police. <gasps> Meanwhile, the Sacramento police got a warrant for his arrest for the murder of Karen Winslet and also put out a UFAP to try to locate him which is unlawful flight to avoid prosecution, and mm. it allows him to be arrested anywhere in the United States. Fuck yeah. While Margie is trying to identify Paul by obtaining his fingerprints, 
the police received a tip from the America's Most Wanted broadcast, which played on a Sunday night. Mm. According to the Marion County Sheriff's Department, they got hundreds of calls from people who thought they recognized Paul Mack on the show and called in a tip. Mm. Then on Monday morning, Sergeant Bailey got a call from a local resident that knew Paul Mack. And she said she knew exactly where he was. Fuck yeah. Apparently, she had worked with him at the country club back in 81, and they had continued to correspond over the five years he was in California. Oh, shit. She told Sergeant Bailey that he was currently in Salt Lake City and that he had appeared on a local television show out there as a chef. Because remember, this asshole had the audacity to go on television, even though he's wanted by the FBI, and he knows he's fucking wanted by the FBI. And he was like, oh, I'm just going to like Superman Clark Kent this, put on some glasses. Some glasses, chef's hat, I'm going to look down. It's fine. No one's going to recognize me. Uh, They fucking did, dude. Hubris, that name is Sean Paul. (laughs) Girl. (laughs) I love you so much. I love you. I didn't use that word in this at all, but I for sure had a moment while I was writing this where I was just like, the fucking hubris of this guy. Like, I can't handle it. So Detective Bell called the homicide detective in Salt Lake City personally, who told him to get him some prints, which were available on Mac's FBI rap sheet because he'd been arrested so many times. Oh my god. The Salt Lake City police called Bell back and said they were able to match his prints to a thumbprint off a pawn slip from Sean Paul Lanier. Detective Bell asked them to have someone watch his house so they wouldn't lose him and immediately jumped on the next flight to Salt Lake City. Mm. The next day, March 23rd, 1988, Margie looked out her window and saw a car sitting outside their house with two men just sitting in the front. The next thing she knew, Sean Paul was jumping out the window. The SWAT team lying in wait saw him fleeing the house, getting into his car, and driving away. To prevent him from escaping, they went ahead and effected a vehicle stop and were able to take him into custody. Oh, shit. He was described by the arresting officers as being very casual and unconcerned. They booked him and put him in the Salt Lake City jail where he called Margie to tell her he was being arrested. And Margie, playing it fucking cool as a cucumber, is like, oh, what for? And he, of course, said he didn't know because he's a fucking lying fuck. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Detectives brought Margie in for questioning and confirmed what she already knew deep down, that her husband, Sean Paul Lanier, was actually Paul Stephen Mack, who was wanted by the FBI for the murder of Annette Huddle and Karen Winslet. Mm. Looking at pictures of Paul Mack, she said he looked so different. His hair color wasn't the same, his face looked gaunt, and he had clearly put on weight as a bodybuilder. But that was the goal. He looked different because he needed to look different. Right. It was then that Margie found out that not only was she not his second wife, <gasps> she was actually his eighth Holy wife. Holy shit! I know. I don't know why this got me so much in this story, but like this, I was just like, I'm sorry, what? Like him going on the cooking show while he was one of the FBI, I was like, all right, the audacity of this motherfucker, like shocked, appalled, obviously. The eighth wife thing, I was just like, oh! <gasps> Are divorces happening? Or is she just like, oh. a, like a I don't know quadrupleist? Like it is a, a, Utah. Now that I'm thinking about it. Maybe he maybe he picked that for a reason. Maybe maybe I don't know. He kind of seems like he's just kind of like piecing the fuck out. Yeah, piecing out and just like get married again. Yeah, put under a new name. It's fine. Doesn't matter. Because I wouldn't be surprised if he was actively married to most All of, of these those women. women I, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me either. I couldn't find that information out, but it would not surprise me at all. Mm. 
Paul Mack was charged with the murder of Karen Winslet and held for questioning about the disappearance of Annette Huddle. During the police interview, he denied having anything to do with the death of Annette Huddle, saying, quote, I don't kill people. I don't hurt people. End quote. Um, hello, you totally strangled your ex-wife. Yeah. Or no, we're probably still current wife. Let's be fucking real. Yes. And also you did, like, you for sure killed some people, obviously. You absolutely That's like why you're in this mess right now. Okay, thanks. Quote, you're trying to make it look like I'm some kind of serial killer that went all over the country killing people. The only fool who would convict somebody like me in a case like this is the media, which they've already done. End quote. Um, settle the the fuck fuck down. Yeah, seriously. Criminologist Joni Johnston said, quote, he is all about controlling his victims, getting what he wants, and then throwing them away like trash. End quote. Clearly. Yeah. Piece of shit. Because he's trash. Believing that Paul had murdered Annette and Karen because they rejected him, Margie described her former husband as, quote unquote, pure evil. (gasps) She even flew to California to testify against Paul Mack during his trial, although she was very nervous. Mm -hmm. The trial lasted three weeks, and proclaiming his innocence, Mack himself testified. He claimed that Karen actually tried to seduce him. Um, Relax, bro. Yeah, no, I'm so fucking sure. Then, when he rejected her, she fell into such a state of despair and depression that she proceeded to take the drugs that Paul happened to bring to the scene and overdosed herself. Oh, look at that. That's how that worked, huh? Like, dude, do you actually hear yourself? And again, she took 25 times the lethal dose. Like, (sighs) I'm sorry. If you go to a guy's place and you try to seduce him and he's like, no, I'm not interested. You like, like you what? You like, there's a pill bottle on the fucking coffee table and you just grab it and fucking throw it back. Like you're ready to kill yourself after that. No, no. Also this motherfucker who's like. She has a boyfriend too. Like go fuck yourself. Yeah. That he's clearly like, guys, I'm such a big deal that this woman was so devastated that I turned her down that she just had to kill herself on the spot. Yeah. Right. Like, get the fuck out of here. So ridiculous. I, I cannot with this piece of shit. He's ridiculous. After deliberations, Paul Mack was convicted and sentenced to 25 years for the first degree murder and rape of Karen Winslet. Karen's sister, Kathy, is furious that Paul took away her only sister. Quote, she was never able to get married. She was never able to have kids. Mm. She didn't get to do any of the things that she wanted to do with her life that was her God-given right to do because of Paul Mack. Oof. End quote. As for Annette Huddle, prosecutors were unable to produce enough forensic evidence to make murder charges stick. Her sister Anita said, quote, I miss her every day, every hour, every minute, mm. end quote. Margie says she struggles with guilt over the fact that she survived when these beautiful young girls didn't mm. and says they will always be in her heart. She gets some comfort from the fact that she risked her life to discover Paul Mack's true identity. After the trial, Margie met Sharon Mack for the first time, and they bonded immediately. Oh, shit. Margie said, it's nice to have someone to talk to that could relate to what she'd been through. They both sent letters to the parole board every year because they did not want to see him get released, knowing that nothing would change, that he would continue to murder without remorse. Fuck yeah. In 2000, Margie Danielson published the book Tainted Roses, A True Story of Murder, Mystery, and a Dangerous Love. Mm. 
at the time, she said she still continued to receive death threats from her jailed ex-husband. Get the and fuck out. She and her three daughters lived in an undisclosed location for their protection. <gasps> I know. Can you fucking imagine? Like, I would too, because like, I just like wouldn't want to deal with that. But like, oof, fuck, dude. How is that allowed? I have no fucking Don't they idea. like, don't they look at the, the, I know they look at the incoming mail. They don't look at the outgoing mail. I don't know. In 2018, Paul Mack died in prison at the age of 71. Bye. Bye. Good riddance. Fuck off. At the time of his death, Annette's case was still considered unsolved. Mack never confessed and no evidence could definitively tie him to the crime. He also didn't confess to anything, right? Yeah, that's true. However, (gasps) during the filming of the Charmed to Death episode... Mm -hmm. Two years after the death of Paul Mack, Sheriff Bailey received some incredible news. (gasps) He got a call from Paul Mack's attorney who told Bailey that he wanted them and especially Annette's family to know that Paul Mack confessed to to killing Annette Huddle before he died. (gasps) Sheriff Bailey said it came as a surprise and that he'd never had that happen before. But now Annette's case can officially be closed and Margie and Sharon's stories can now serve as a cautionary tale. Holy shit. Girl, I know. Sharon said, quote, We were victims, vulnerable ladies who just wanted to feel loved Mm -hmm. and hugged and important and cared for. That was part of his con, Mm -hmm. end quote. Mm -hmm. And finally, I'll leave you with this. Margie said, quote, Guys like him are so good at what they do. You don't think you can be taken. But believe me, this man could go anywhere and convince anyone to do anything. He was that good. Listen to your instincts. If it doesn't feel right, it probably isn't right. Fuck yeah. End quote. Fuck yeah. And that was the insane fucking story of the asshole known as fucking Paul Stephen Mack, a.k.a. Sean Paul Lanier. Holy fuck. Girl. That was insane. Right? Oxygen knocks it out of the park. I will give them that. They do a good job. This was, of all of the stories I heard this weekend, I was like, this is the craziest one that I hadn't heard before. Yeah. Wild. Fucking wild. That was amazing. Good. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. Ugh. What the audacity the is audacity. strong with this one. Yes. What an asshole. He was really an asshole. I'm not going to lie. I found the excerpts from the book kind of late in my research because apparently it's one of the few books that is still not an ebook. So mm. you actually had to like get a paperback copy of it. So on Google Books, I found a couple of excerpts and... It's written in third person, which is kind of odd considering it's written by, by Margie her, yeah. herself. So that's like a little odd. But like the level of fucking weirdness that like wasn't on mentioned in the Charmed to Death episode yeah. or anything was like insane. To the point that I was like, I have to like step back and just like give you the facts because like so much of this shit is so weird and I like didn't realize like how how deep it went like how do do you remember an example like he threw a surprise birthday party for her and there were these two guys dressed in white robes like standing outside the door that like greeted her and escorted her in and when she like asked him about them he like was like like what are you talking about sort of thing and i guess they had like they showed up later at like a different event or something 
so there was just like, like guess really, too? there was just like really weird shit that was happening. It made me really want to read the whole book because I was like, there was way more to the story than even I covered, honestly. Yeah. Because it was pretty fucking crazy. I mean, it's, it's what you told me was fucking crazy. Yeah. I It's fucking wild, dude. I can't, I can't even fucking imagine. Well, I'm glad he's no longer with us. He's Fuck no him. longer with us. Bye. Yep. Good riddance again, like I said. So my father says, couldn't happen to a nicer person. Ah. <laughs> uh. Uh, that was amazing. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Oh my gosh, of course. I know. I'm speechless I, too. I can't I'm handle it. Yeah. Truly. Yeah. That was fucking crazy. I know. I couldn't handle it. At least, you know, I hate technology and I say it a lot, but at least we can give people goog. <sighs> yep. It helps. And find the shit out. Yeah. It'd be really nice if you could have just been like, I'm gonna look this up on my phone real quick. Hold on one second. Yeah. Like, I've been on dates and like actively googed the guy. Like, like I'm going to go to the bathroom, basically. Yeah. I'll be like, hmm. hmm, hmm, hmm. So this is adding up. Above yeah. board. Making sure. Great. Cool, cool. You're actually a real person. Amazing. Great. Be careful out there. Shit's fucking crazy. People are fucking nuts. Yeah. For sure. Be careful. That was amazing, though. Thank you so much. Thank you. Your story was amazing. So many ghosties. So I many ghosties. fucking handle it. Which, speaking of ghosties, we have a True Listener Tales episode coming up. Fuck yeah! So send us all your stories of ghosties or, or weird shit. There's so many things. I love all the things. All the things. Yes. You can email us at anotherfuckinghorrorpodcast at gmail.com with a period instead of the you and fucking. You can find us on the gram at anotherfuckinghorrorpodcast. You can find me at Mo. You can find me at Lobotomy, and that's Lobot, period, Amy. Guys, thanks so much for listening. We're so obsessed with you. Keep it cute. Keep it creepy. Bye. Bye.